Well, welcome. In this podcast, we were going to look at social welfare. In particular, we will view social welfare as an institution. We will look at what is the meaning of a social institution. We will look at some of the components uh, and forces that serve to shape social welfare policy in our society today, and then look at some key social welfare perspectives. Let's begin by looking at the meaning of a social institution. Basically, a social institution are those structures and activities that endure over time that carry out the necessary functions of a society. These necessary functions are things such as socialization, child-rearing, education, commerce. There are five major institutions of society. One, the economy. Two is the polity. The polity refers to our government, our political system, our way of governance, the family, religion, and last, social welfare. Basically, the economy contains all that relates to the production, distribution, and consumption of goods and services. It's the organization of the workforce. It's employment, planned unemployment, capital, wealth, and tax system. Now, you you may have noted with some interest, what do I mean by planned unemployment? Basically, today, we consider full employment to be an unemployment rate of 5% or less. Uh, We accept the fact that at any given time, there are four to 5% of people in our population who will be without work. This may be due to seasonal factors. It may be due to uh, just a basic uh, lack of fit with job skills and uh, what is required in terms of ability in the job market. The polity, as I've said, represents the exercise of power in society. It constitutes the national, state, and local governments based on laws, legislative and judicial decisions, and constitutions. It's the political system and political parties. It's the criminal and civil justice systems and administrative rules, regulations, and customs. The family, it's the economic and social unit in which people live. The nuclear family is the norm today in some cultures. However, we also know that there is a changing nature of the family. It's tough to get agreement on even how we define family today. The whole issue of gay marriage, single parents, people living together, constitute tremendous change from our past. Religion, complex of systems organized and unorganized by which people relate to a deity 
and to their own existence with spiritual and moral values. The interrelationship of the Protestant work ethic and Puritan morality with the polity and economy result in calling the United States a Christian nation. Now, that's certainly uh, something that, that many of you who may not be a Christian, uh, who may come from another faith, uh, may take uh, issue with. But I'm only reflecting uh, upon how uh, this country uh, tends to be seen and we tend to emphasize uh, the kinds of Christian principles uh, that uh, uh, we, we talk about as being embodied in our, our very development. Now that's not to say that we mix government and religion but uh, we have uh, long seen this, this tension, this interrelationship that exists between uh, the polity and uh, the religious entities. Uh, religion also refers to, to broader belief systems. So social welfare then, what is that? Social welfare is for the purpose of ensuring a basic standard of physical and mental well-being and providing universal access to the mainstream of society. That's the ideal. That's the definition from the NASW Encyclopedia of Social Work. It often involves social treatment to enhance the social and economic well-being of society's members. But there is also another dimension of social welfare, and that is of social control. Social control ensures that the people who receive uh, social welfare assistance conform to current societal norms, standards, and ideologies. We've often used welfare as a mechanism of social control to avoid uh, uh, unrest, to avoid revolt. Uh, when we've looked at major times in 1968 when uh, uh, African Americans began to set inner city areas on fire in major cities, uh, Los Angeles riots, uh, we immediately began to uh, commission studies. Uh, money poured into these areas. Assistance was given. But what changed? Because almost every 10 years, we have a reoccurrence of these uh, outbreaks. So again, we study, we pour in aid and social assistance, but little fundamentally changes. So we're using that mechanism of welfare, of giving money, support to people, giving people hope, uh, having them buy enough into the system uh, that they too someday can, can be the millionaire, can be the president, can be anyone who they want to be. Now, as we'll understand in our discussion of uh, issues of inequities in our society, that will probably never occur uh, because uh, uh, we will probably never really progress much beyond uh, our social economic status that we, we are today. 
but we'll leave that for another discussion. Social welfare and how we administer it is based on society's values, whether altruistic or whether it's economic or political or religious. It's given legitimation by legislation or custom, and it's carried out by public agencies, private, not-for-profit, or for-profit agencies. When we look at social welfare, we can look and identify two primary perspectives. It's important that you understand this because it is the fundamental way that we organize and, and by which we can begin to explain why we have this kind of social welfare system that we have. One perspective we call the residual perspective, the residual concept of social welfare. The other refers to the institutional concept of social welfare. So keep that in mind. Residual perspective of social welfare, institutional perspective of social welfare. Well, let's look at the residual perspective first. This perspective assumes that needs are to be first met through the family and the job market. People are responsible for their own problems and should solve them with minimal societal intervention. Aid from welfare from governmental sources is really considered to be abnormal. Aid is offered only after family, job have already failed. You've exhausted your resources. An aid is to be seen as temporary, an emergency, and as little as possible. In fact, we talk about from, from the, the English days and the Elizabethan times, the whole concept of lesser eligibility, that no person on welfare should receive more in assistance than the lowest paid working person in society. There should be a stigma attached. It should be unpleasant. And eligibility should be based upon a means test. In part, this is one of the issues that, that really confronted us in 1996 when we, we changed from AFDC to uh, temporary uh, assistance for needy families, the whole TANF uh, program. Uh, part of it was uh, a, a belief that we were getting career uh, people uh, on welfare, uh, career welfare moms. Um, welfare was becoming a way of life for people and uh, people were getting too much on welfare. So TANF was put into place to limit it to no more than five years of lifetime benefit. So it was to be temporary, emergency, and basically benefits were largely cut and individuals were required to uh, uh, work. Now, you're only eligible to receive this assistance after you've used up all of your resources. You can only have X number of dollars in the bank. You can, you can only have a car that is worth so much money. And then, you know, if you meet those requirements, you can get assistance.
But basically, welfare has never meant to, to maximize uh, people's resources. It has never meant to, to be uh, adequate. Uh, it's uh, basically to provide a basic floor of support. The institutional concept of welfare is very different. Here, the social welfare system is viewed as the first line of defense. It's available to all members of society. Aid from government welfare system is considered normal. Aid is offered before breakdowns. It's given for preventive purposes. Aid is preventative. It's ongoing, adequate to meet needs. There's no societal pressure to leave the program. No stigmas attached. Now, in this country, we do have some examples of, of institutional social welfare. One is public education. Um, public uh, fire departments, public police departments are really part of the protection system, the health and welfare protection system. In addition, uh, our public health departments. It's one place you can go to uh, get tested safe for sexually transmitted diseases, treated for sexually transmitted diseases at absolutely no cost. And we do that without having to tell anyone what our income is, uh, whether you're the wealthiest person in town or the poorest person can get those basic services from uh, the public health department. So basically in other countries we, we look at um, subsidized, uh, heavily subsidized uh, daycare. Uh, understanding that if women are to work in the workforce and uh, uh, fathers, mothers are to go to work, then they need safe, reliable uh, places to put their children and it has to be affordable so oftentimes that's subsidized. Uh, Health care, uh, basic uh, in many countries in terms of being provided to people as a basic need. So we have many examples around the world of far more institutionally focused social welfare systems. But in this country, while we can give a few examples, we look overwhelmingly at how our particular system of social welfare is very residual in nature. Well, what's the scope of social welfare? Well, we can look at uh, all of the life necessity services, social insurances, um, that's one area of categorization. This is seen in a positive way because in essence we're paying for that. This would include Medicare, unemployment insurance, workers compensation. It's our basic social security, our old age, survivors, disability, health insurance plan that comes through uh, social security. We then have public assistances for people who do not qualify for Social Security. And remember, uh, qualifying for Social Security is that you have to have worked for a certain number of quarters, earning a certain amount of money. 
Uh, so if you've not uh, been employed, if you've not been in the workforce, if you've not earned enough quarters uh, of, of support, then you're not eligible for Social Security. So in its place, you then have public assistance. Um, programs such as temporary uh, assistance to needy families, TANF, Medicaid. Understand the difference between Medicare, a social insurance, Medicaid, a public assistance program. We have uh, supplemental security uh, income, SSI, general assistance, poor relief, food stamps, now, poor relief, general assistance are often administered by the county, by the city. And then you have a broad area of maternal and child health programs, family planning, women infant child program, WIC, that offers uh, prenatal and postnatal mothers uh, opportunity for nutritious food and selected food items uh, that they can buy with uh, vouchers. Uh, crippled children's benefits, and then child nutrition programs that would include uh, our school lunch programs. So the scope of social welfare covers educational, recreational, or rehabilitative services, job training, remedial education, daycare, recreational programs and facilities, disability rehabilitation services, educational and rehabilitative services for people in custodial care and prisons, mental hospitals and juvenile detention facilities. It will also include protective or custodial services, group homes and institutions for disturbed or delinquent children, programs for neglected and abused children and caregivers, child guidance programs, school social work, foster care and adoption, homes for unwed mothers, protective services for adults, family violence programs, as well as personal social services that would include therapy for individuals and groups, dealing with marital problems, substance abuse, emotional difficulties, access and advocacy services, psychological testing and psychiatric services, counseling and budgeting, credit, family planning, employment and retirement. So again, we come to an end of looking now at having looked at our two basic uh, concepts as we begin our, our study of social policy. One, what is social policy? And two, looking at the institution of social welfare. With that understanding, we can now begin to move into looking at the underlying value biases of social welfare. We can look at issues of inequality in the American dream. And then we can begin to look at the historical development of the social welfare concept over history and how it's impacted the programs here in this country. <music>